Hello and welcome to the latest installment of PSG Talking. I'm your host, Ed, and on today's show, we're talking all about PSG's scoreless draw against AS Monaco, Mbappe's controversial actions, and we're going to look ahead to next week's Champions League clash against Real Sociedad. And here to help me do that is a voice you haven't heard on these airwaves in a while, but we're so glad to have him back, Mr. John Alangi. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for coming on the pod. How are things on your end? Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Ed, for having me back on. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, it's rainy here where I'm at in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, weather's been pretty bad, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay being indoors right now recording the pod. We got a lot to get into, but again, yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been a long time, but I'm glad to be back on. And what a time to to, yes. to re to re reinsert myself back into this this PSG thing. <laughs> Great timing. And just real quick, Charlotte soccer city. I saw the Charlotte FC there. I mean, you guys had 60,000 fans that are something just bouncing. It was a crazy atmosphere last weekend. Yeah. They're the, the, the Charlotte, the football culture here mm-hmm. surprisingly to me has been fascinating to see and, you know, with a new team. This is like our, our third season, I believe. And, um, the, the, They've got record turnout every inaugural game. The, the inaugural match, I think it was like a world record uh, of the the fans in attendance. And then this season, again, sixty two thousand. Mm-hmm. They're 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 getting more people in the in the stands than the Charlotte the the, the Carolina Panthers. So that says a lot. And you and know, people and love American football. So yeah. yeah, and I was at that stadium. Um, PSG came when they actually did summer tours in America. They came exactly. and they played. I think it was Chelsea and Zlatan was there. Yes, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, I was there and it was a great atmosphere walking around there. It was fantastic. We'll have to get back there and visit. So, all right, let's just get into it. So we're recording this in the evening, uh, Friday, March 1st. Let's react to the scoreless draw from earlier today between uh, PSG and Monaco. And then, John, we'll kind of just focus on what happened on the pitch first and then we'll get into all of the Mbappe stuff. So I'll start with some of my key takeaways from this match. You have to start with Gianluigi Donnarumma. He was my man of the match. Just standing on his head, to borrow a hockey term, acrobatic saves. He was incredible all night. I thought if not for him, it probably was Monaco winning this one 2-0, if not even worse. Um, I just thought he was brilliant. We'll touch on him a little bit more in a second here. I also thought Luis Enrique, he went with uh, Nordi Mukiele as center back. I thought he was surprisingly good. Um, He had to deal with Balogun, Ben Yedder. Uh, Akliush, who had a couple great uh, attempts on goal, Minamino at times. So they were just all coming at him. I thought he he stood strong and played uh, really well. Had a really solid game. Vitinha again. I thought he was great. Wasn't you know didn't didn't jump off my screen, but he was solid in the midfield. He kept possession. PSG dominated possession. He was a big part of that. So I've uh, got to give him credit there. Ugarte was sort of up and down for me. He would make a great tackle, but then give the ball away. So he yeah. just can't seem to put it together. And yeah. then lastly, I just thought Asensio, who has had a string of really good performances, thought he was just really poor, just kind of sloppy passes and just couldn't get it together. It was ultimately uh, subbed off. Um, and then, you know, speaking of players that didn't play well, I thought Gonzalo Ramos and, again, Kylian Mbappe, who was subbed off at halftime, they weren't great either. So those are kind of my overall thoughts. What were your takeaways from this one? Yeah, honestly, uh, I, I, I was it was I was finding it difficult to 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 be in, interested in the match in terms of like I was waiting for something to happen. It was a lot of it was a lot of chances missed on on both sides. Uh, I think Monaco had plenty of chances, and you pointed out Donnarumma pretty much standing on his head, and I thought he was the man of the match simply because nothing else really happened. Um, that was memorable for me. Um, but it was good to see, you mentioned Agarte, he didn't really uh, stand out, but I think for me, given how he started the season, very hot, everyone is like, you know, giving him all the praises. And when he got that injury, you, you can tell it kind of, took a knock on him and it took him a little while to you can see he's kind of within the most recent matches he's finding his form again so I thought it you know just kind of given um how his season has been very up and down it's good to see him trending back towards being that physical presence on the pitch uh that we need in that position um and I think when we talk about the Gonzalo Ramoses of the world, and if if it's Colomani in that nine position, I think the the, the same issue we've been having um, all season, essentially with our with our strikers, is the lack of 
proper service to them. Like these, like specifically Ramos, he's one of those forwards where he needs service. He's like a Cavani, a Zlatan, right? Like they need service uh, to be effective. And we've seen when he has the chances, he can be effective. And so I think that that really boiled down to why he was really kind of um, MIA in the match. And same for Asensio, I would say he was every time I watched, he was losing the ball and, and, and really losing the ball in, in, in critical areas of the pitch. And so uh, I think overall for me, the match was, was kind of a dud. It wasn't really interesting outside of the, you know, the, the substitution that we'll get into later. But I think likewise, my man in the match would be Donnarumma because Monaco could have put, put this game to bed um, early in, in the first half. And uh, I think Donnarumma made some incredible saves. Uh, there was one shot where Minamino pretty much sent it straight to him, uh, sent the rocket to him, and he saved it. Um, those are close-range saves. And uh, like you said, we'll get into Donnarumma more. Uh, but I think that's overall, for me, the match wasn't really interesting. Uh, but if I could highlight anything, it'd have to be Donnarumma. Yeah, fantastic. And, uh, you know, it's the final tune-up before facing Real Sociedad next week. And I was hoping for some goals. You always want to go into a big match, you know, full of confidence. Seeing that ball hit the back of the net, you you would like to see that. But not the case in this one. We mentioned Ugarte. I just wanted a a couple stats. Nine ground duels, one, six tackles, two interceptions. So he was doing all the work, um, you know, defensively, which is exactly what you want him to do. But I just thought Monaco just had too many guys. I mean, they were coming in waves of attack it seemed at times and you would like Ugarte maybe to to help be part of stopping that I just thought that they Monaco had too many uh chances against Donnarumma and then looking at his stats oh go ahead I'm sorry no I I was gonna say to that I think uh, you know yes Ugarte is that enforcer that's in that position to sort of break up those you know those attacks and those waves of attack but I think you know for for me from what I've seen where I can identify a weakness, a general weakness within as as Lucho is is, is trying to build this roster is, is defense, and I think it mm-hmm. comes down to a, a lack of consistency in the center back pairing. We've seen how many center back pairings uh, since the beginning of the season. <laughs> Who's today was Mukiele and Beraldo? I think that's yeah. the first time they've played together, right? We've it's, seen Lucas Hernandez in there. We've exactly. seen uh, Danilo in there. Screenyar, yeah, so forth and so on. So I think that that dynamic of stability um, is what is what has caused PSG to be so leaky in defense all season. We can we've been scoring the goals. We're 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 at top of the table. Uh, given all the circumstances, what's going on uh, with the club, I think uh, Luis Enrique has done a, a pretty fine job, I would say. But I think the the one thing that uh, would be a, a weakness that I can identify would be the defense being very leaky. And that not only starts with the midfield and the forwards also tracking back, but just the lack of stability uh, and consistency with the center back pairings and the defense overall. And uh, you said PSG has been scoring the goals, but not on this night. And it was actually PSG had scored at least one goal in each of their last 26 games before uh, tonight against Monaco. So didn't get it done. But let's talk about Gianluigi Donnarumma. Uh, He's a goalkeeper. You know, early in the season, I was like, oh, do we need to to start someone else? Do we bring (laughs) Keeler Navas or the young kid? But tonight he made six total saves. And of those six, there were three diving saves and five of them were inside the box. So he was really, you know, without him, it could have been really ugly. You know, since he was sent off uh, with that kind of, karate kick that he had against Lahav back in early <laughs> December. Yeah. He's really picked it up. He's been phenomenal. I don't I wouldn't say he's great with the ball at his feet still. I think there's a lot of work to be done there, but I guess my question to you would be does he need to have a flawless Champions League run? As, I don't know how long PSG can go, but does he need to not make any mistakes to really solidify being the PSG number 1 to uh, you know, reinstill confidence in the fan base that he's the guy. Does he need to have a good Champions League run? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that 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 would be a foregone conclusion, especially in the in the goalkeeping position in in football. When you look at the, the clubs that have won the Champions League in the most recent years, we, we go from Allison to Ederson to Thibaut Courtois. There's a level of consistency that they play with that other goalkeepers don't really play with. Those those mistakes that we were highlighting for Donnarumma, as, 
as great as he is, Donnarumma is world class. I think we tend to forget that. Uh, this is the guy that we were clamoring, like, please get him. Please bring him uh, to PSG. And he would solve all of our, our goalkeeping problems. And now we have him. And, you know, we're nitpicking because we've been used to seeing goalkeepers who are good with the ball at their feet, who can distribute well. And so this is who he is, essentially. I, and you, you said there... Uh, if he can work on that side of his game, and I don't know if, if that's possible at this age and in and, and, and football and in this professional level. I don't know if if that's something that he can necessarily work on, maybe minimizing the mistakes. Yes, I think he's just too tall. He's too yeah, tall. <laughs> it's just not in him. Even today, I don't know if you saw it was like in the early in the second half, like he tried to ping a ball over the uh, over the, the the strikers and it just and, and Lucho and, and Luis Enrique actually caught the ball. Was, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just like so. I don't think it's in him to be able to to be that ball playing goalkeeper. But everything else, it's it's world class. And so, uh, in terms of you know with the Champions League, he's going to be very important for us moving forward, especially given what I just mentioned with the with the lack of um, consistency in the defense and being so leaky. And what he did today proved that he can be important for us when the defense is not on top of their game. The midfield is kind of spread and, and we're getting waves and waves of attacks coming at us. He can be that, 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 that force to, you know, to save us. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to, to, to place the blame on one player. Like if, you know, Forbid, God forbid that we don't go far in the Champions League and we lose. Like it's not really going to be Donnarumma's fault. It's going to be a collective thing that the team didn't play up to par. But he can't have those mistakes. Like so, I guess if the question is, is the noise ever going to stop in terms of like us consistently questioning Donnarumma? Yes, he can't have those silly mistakes, which um, usually come down to his ball playing ability. We just PSG just can't have any more silly mistakes from goalkeepers, whether it's Kevin yeah. Trapp, Buffon, Keeler Navas. <laughs> Every season, it yeah. seems like one of those guys does something stupid and it costs the goal, and then all the heads drop, and then the confidence leaves. Yeah, I just want him to like. Okay, maybe you're not good with the ball at your feet. Just don't do anything stupid. Yeah, kick it to Enrique <laughs> on the sideline. Just don't give it yeah. away in a bad position. I don't yeah. want the goalkeeper to be the reason why we crash out. If we get beat by a better team, I can accept that. Just right. no stupid mistakes. And you know, we forget Donnarumma was the UEFA Player of the Tournament in the Euro 2020, so he is world class. He can get it done. Let's hope that he can just not be a reason why we we get knocked out of the tournament. And hopefully, we go all the way. But I just don't. I don't want any more goalkeeper mistakes. Yeah, that 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 would be awesome. I, I I didn't even realize like until you mentioned that like there is a history of Kevin Trapp and Buffon and <laughs> yeah, it's and these are good. I mean, Buffon yeah. is legendary. Keeler Navas yeah. is world class. You know, when we had him and they come to PSG and it seems yeah. like they just forget how to play the position and do something stupid. It's it's really head scratching. Um, let's stick with the PSG uh, defense here because Lucas Baraldo. He was recently called up to the Brazil national team. He's 20 years old. He comes over in uh, January, steps right into the starting lineup here at PSG. I wouldn't say he's lighting the world on fire, but he's also not making, again, silly mistakes. He's He's been a solid player. Do you see him as potentially the next Marquinhos, as Marquinhos gets maybe ready this summer to, to go on to a new adventure potentially? Is Beraldo going to be that guy, that center back for us for years to come? I think he has the um he has all of the he's he's the prototype, right? Like he has the pace, he has the the strength uh, and the technical ability. He he's comfortable on the ball compared to like a screenyard and and you know I, I don't know if, if if that's something people have noticed when screenyard was healthy like when he had the ball at his feet it's almost like Donnarumma is like I don't know like you feel a mistake the mistake is coming like he for me he doesn't get the ball out of his feet quick enough that's Look, just... I got a bad knee I'm out of shape I think I'm faster than screenyard that's for sure I can beat him in a race yeah and, and so you know from that perspective given that context I think he is that prototype and he is that um that that type of player that can step right in and which he has and um you know, it, it, it's it's different dynamics. He's bringing competition into the into the, the the position. We have Kipembe, who's obviously injured, but when he gets back, how does that look? Screenyard, when he gets back, how does that look? And um, 
and Lucas Hernandez, who can play center back as well, and Danilo. And so given all of those options from the injuries, from the players that are available, and the fact that he's been able to step right in and the level hasn't dropped, I think says a lot about his quality at only 20 years old. He's a left-footed player, which I always love in center backs because it, 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 it brings a different dynamic into their ability to to spread the ball out and, and really start attacks from the defensive uh, side of the ball. And so I'm I'm excited about him. Uh, it for me, it's still kind of early to tell. I will say his first couple of games, I think they they had him uh, Lucho put him like a left back or something, and he was kind of he didn't seem to have his his bits about him. But in the center back position, he looks comfortable, and um, and I think he's 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 very promising. And getting the call up to Brazil is 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 not is no small thing. And I don't know if you saw. Speaking of Brazil, their new manager he called up the wrong player. Can you imagine? I, I forget who the player no, I didn't, was. I didn't see this. So yeah, yeah. the uh, was it uh, <laughs> Dorival Junior? I think is the. But yeah, yeah. So what happened? He called up the wrong player. Yeah, he, he he I think they had a similar names and he said one of the guys name but it's not who he meant to call up and so imagine being that player you're at home with your family and you're waiting for the Brazil call up and then they call your name and then you find out hey he didn't mean to actually call your name. Oh no. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> That that sucks. Uh, I saw that earlier. I thought that was pretty interesting. But yeah, just yeah. It, it, for Barado, I think he's one to watch for sure. It's still kind of early to tell, but definitely um, one to watch. Definitely one to watch, and he's one of the youngsters at PSG. As we move forward after this season, it's going to be a youth movement, and he will certainly be part of it. I do think yeah. he's probably playing a lot of minutes out of necessity. We don't have a lot of defenders who are at a high quality that are capable of playing right now. They're either injured or, or whatever. Maybe they don't typically play center back. So he he's making the most of these minutes, and maybe he makes a case. We know in the summer Lenny Yoro could be um, a possible transfer target. I think we're going to strengthen the defense, and and so he's sort of in the in the shop window right now and making the case of why he should be considered in uh, a starting center back. So, so Absolutely. far, so good. I've just been impressed. He comes over. He's never been in the Champions League, and you would never know it from what we've seen so far. Not at all. He's smooth. He's smooth. I like. I, yeah. I like. I like a calm defender. Very calm. Yeah. So yeah. next, Marquinhos. We'll we'll tag him with that. <laughs> um, we're almost. If you're listening, we're almost to the Mbappe stuff. Hang on, um, because I wanted to talk about this Monaco side. Yeah, a lot of really good talent in there. If you had to pick just one player this summer, you could pick any of their players that were on the pitch tonight, or maybe if, you know if they were on the bench or injured. Just looking at their squad, is there any player that you think PSG should maybe target? Um, as they get ready to lose a former Monaco player in Mbappe, is there anyone there <laughs> at uh, Monaco you'd like to see next season? I like, I like. Um, well, he's not really a, a Monaco player. Balligan, he's he's on loan, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. I'll have to look that one up. Give me a second, but uh, finish your thought, and I'll look it up. Okay. Yeah, uh, the, the the forward today, Balligan. He's yeah. um, he's for me. If if I'm looking at uh, at someone who I think can can help our our, our roster is is him. He's, he he's a player who doesn't really rely on service. He's he can come he can come deep, get the ball, run at defenders, and and and, and wreak havoc on the defense. And so if if I was to highlight anyone from that team, uh, it would be him. But again, again, I, I feel like he's on loan from Arsenal or somewhere. He, he like was I, on loan at uh, Stade de Reims uh, last season, but actually okay. Monaco paid thirty million. Uh, transfer fee to bring him over from arsenal so yeah he's a monaco man okay okay cool well yeah that that, that would be my pick um but monaco there they they've been they they lost or are tied to like a, a fourth tier team in, in in one of the cup matches a few weeks ago i remember um and so you know i i, I don't really they're, they're they're doing good in the league obviously but um yeah it's it, it's weird what's going on over there but i think for me Bolligan would be would be my pick yeah, Balogun's a good one. Um, he's a U.S. men's national team player, so yep. definitely like hearing that. I yep. mean, they've got so many good players. I, I like Fofana. He's a good midfielder. Yes. But I, I've got to say, tonight, mm. I was so impressed with Wilfred Singo, uh, the right back yeah, uh, from yeah. Ivory Coast. I mean, he he's, he was so strong. I mean, he bodied Mbappe off the ball. Mbappe was calling for a penalty, but I didn't, I didn't see it. Yeah, um, I just thought he was phenomenal. And if we are potentially looking at losing Hakimi in mm -hmm. uh, next season, um, 
you know, Mukiele, is he the, the right back of our future? I don't know. I would look at a player like him, uh, 23 years old, and, and see maybe if there's a, a deal to be done there because I, I was just so impressed with him there uh, tonight. Yeah, no, that's a good call. That's a good call. I I, I definitely saw that he he stood out, especially with that with that um uh, that one on one with Mbappe. Definitely showed his strength, and you know he's fearless. Um, and you know if we're we're speaking on the context of players, uh, uh, possibly departing. You know, I saw the Hakimi report saying that he he also wants to leave, which came out of nowhere. But he seems to be good friends with Mbappe, so he might be <laughs> seeing his future uh coming to a uh, not being at PSG anymore, so that that's a good call for for Wilfred Single. That's right, yeah, and he won the Africa Cup of Nations with the exactly. uh, Ivory Coast, and it, yeah. and just looking, it looks like he he joined Monaco from Torino last summer, of uh, ten million euros, a so good business for Monaco as as they always do, and transfer markets got his value at eighteen. I'm sure it'd be 50, 50 million for PSG if they wanted him this summer. Even <laughs> yeah, though the, the PSG, PSG tax. tax is 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 evergreen, yes, <laughs> yeah, Monaco <laughs> will get paid. Nothing is cheap there in Monaco. That that's is for that's sure. right. All right. Let's get into what happened at halftime of the Monaco match. Here it is. You've all been waiting. <laughs> PSG, let's just set the scene here. PSG, they come out of the tunnel. And then we learn that Kylian Mbappe has been replaced by Colomani. Seconds later, we start to see screenshots and video clips on social media of Mbappe on the phone in the tunnel. And not only that, not only is he on the phone, but then he's also changed out of his kit He's in a hoodie. He's got the sweatpants on. Man, you know he's walking around the pitch. He's waving to the fans. He's taking you know pictures and selfies, and then he heads into the stands. Not on the bench. He heads into the stands to sit with his mom, and he watches the second half from there, smiling and, and whatever else he's doing there. We'll get to the post match comments, but what when you saw this, John? What was your initial reaction? <laughs> and I was shocked. Uh, and I'm I'm usually very even killed as it pertains to Paris Saint Germain news and and the rumors and everything that happens at the club. But for this one, I'm equally as befuddled, you know, uh, slightly annoyed as a fan of, of of the club that I love. I was I was shocked, honestly. It's like no, there's no way. Like I, there's there's no way he's he's in the stands sitting next to his mom essentially smiling like it's like it's 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 nothing um and for whatever reason that he felt that he can do that well I'll 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 get to that later in terms of why I feel like he feels that he can he can do that but uh my initial reaction was just was just shocked I've never seen anything like that a player who is not only a captain of the club one of the best players in the world you know just getting subbed off in the match and you don't go sit with your brothers and your teammates. He, started, he was the captain. He started the match as the captain. As the captain, right? See? Yeah, that's 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 very much insane. That that's the word for it. that's that's insane. And, and so there's no there's no justifying that at all. And for me, I I'm not gonna absolve PSG because of what led up to this in terms of giving these players way too much power to the point where they feel like they could even do something like that. Um, but, you know, we, we can save that for later and, and really just kind of look at how absurd it is what he, what, what Mbappe did. And it's, it's very disrespectful to not only your teammates, to the fans, to the club. Um, and yeah, it, it didn't sit right with me at all. Yeah. So my initial reaction was we saw in that first half, he did go down I think it might have been Singo who kind of who brought him down, or maybe it was another yeah. Monaco player. I don't remember, but he he, he picked up a little bit of a knock. He was laying uh, next to the goal, the Monaco goal, after he attempted a shot on goal, and he appeared to be in some discomfort. And so when he was subbed off, I was like, oh, maybe he's injured. But right. then the report started to come out uh, in the second half that no injury, he's fine. And then when you saw him walking around, you're like, yeah, there's no limp. There's he's fine. Yeah. There's nothing. There's so there was no injury. So I thought, like you, I'm trying to be like. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe there's an injury. Yeah. Um, that wasn't the case. We also have to, you know, level set and say he was kind of garbage in that first half. He yeah. was not the Mbappe that we all know, and he, he was not dangerous. He was pretty pedestrian, I gotta say. Yeah. He wasn't the only one. Um, but Luis Enrique apparently said I had seen enough. 45 minutes was enough of that, and he said, you know, you're out. Yeah. 
And so after we started learning he wasn't injured or anything, I'm like you. I was like, I have never seen this. When have you – in any sport, yeah, football, you know, American football, whatever, basketball, have you ever seen a, a captain taken off and they just go change into street clothes and then go sit in the stands? I've never seen that. It was insane. Absolutely <laughs> insane. I've, I've – I've, I don't know. I have a level of respect for Mbappe. And by the way, once when I knew we were going to record this podcast, I was fully expected to come here and speak about Mbappe's departure as like I appreciated what he'd done for the club. And, you know, I still do. But my tone has definitely changed just because of that one that what he did today i think that it's um it, you can't downplay how how significant it is in the grand scheme of things in terms of moving forward how psg want to play without him like it's could should we just had sold him in the winter time i mean in the in the winter transfer so we just had sold him last season when real madrid were offering 180 mil like all of those questions start to come up because at this point it's not worth it because if 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 Luis Enrique is trying to build the team and get them to start playing uh, without Mbappe being so dominant and, and being reliant on him, this this doesn't work for that. This this messes up chemistry within the club. He still has friends in the club. He, him and Dembele are good friends. Him and Hakimi are good friends, and and so it's it's like we thought we got rid of this thing. <laughs> You know, with with the Messi and Neymar's departure, yeah. but it's still here, and we have to ride this out until he leaves, and that's what's unfortunate. Was it you, or maybe um, James, who's been on the podcast? Someone said it's it's like he's given his two weeks notice, and he doesn't give a you know what. Like he <laughs> yeah. he's doing whatever he wants, you know. Like he just, he is checked out. Essentially, yeah. It's it's the, the, yeah. You you got your you got your you know. Yeah, you, you you got the word out there that yeah, I'm I'm not gonna be here. He's again. got a new job, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and he's comfortable and he's cool. And now you can show up late to work and really like you know just piss off every now and then. I, I want to mention, um, I, I I watch a lot of Formula One and Lewis Hamilton. If you're familiar with Lewis Hamilton, he's like yeah. the biggest Big star. Race this weekend, I follow a little Formula One. Yeah, and and if you've heard, he's moving to Ferrari, which is the most storied. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, team in, in in that sport, and and it's essentially a, a similar scenario where Mbappe is going to Madrid. Lewis Hamilton is the epitome of professionalism, and in Mbappe, I know that legacy is important to him. Like, if you just listen to him speak and his mom and his representatives, if legacy is important to you, this doesn't add up. Professionalism is important. Lewis Hamilton is has told everyone this is his final season racing with Mercedes and he will be at Ferrari next season. So he has to race this entire season with Mercedes. There's no news coming out about him disparaging his former uh, team or or anything like that. There's, you have to have a decorum about you and professionalism about you. um, Especially if you, if you want to go down as one of the goats. Uh, And I think Mbappe really did himself a disservice and, yeah, this is this is now Real Madrid and Florentino Paris's problem um, in the future. But for the next what three or four months, it's still our problem, and that's that's the issue here. Right. It, it's not a good look that this is happening, um, and I yeah. I can't explain it at all. I I don't know why he would be doing this. I mean, if you play devil's advocate, maybe PSG aren't being very kind behind the scenes. We well, don't know what's being said to him, you know. Well, Ed, I, I wanted to ask you. That. I wanted to. Yeah. Pl- I played devil's advocate earlier in in, in another group chat, yeah. man, and I asked this question. I was, I said, okay, if if we know Mbappe is leaving, and but he still has to play out the rest of the season. We're still in Champions League. We're still in the, you know, we're still fighting for 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 trophies. Why is he being substituted in multiple matches? And in crunch time, essentially, it's not like he's being substituted at like 89th minute. We're yeah. already won the game. Like he's being substituted when the game is still important. Like, what do you think it's coming from the top where Nasser is 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 sort of playing mind games via or uh, via Lucho? Or I don't know. I, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate as to why yeah. they're subbing him, you know? 
It's interesting. I mean, he what is it? He didn't start against Nantes, and everyone assumed it was because maybe he was tired. They they played three days earlier against Real Sociedad, and then they go down a goal against Rennes. Yeah. Um, and and he's taken off. So you're losing, and then you take off your your best player, your leader, your captain, superstar. Yeah. You take him off when you're down a goal, and then tonight you're you're chasing a game, and at halftime, 45 minutes, and you're just like. I've seen enough, and you take them off. Yeah. Um, we'll get now. We can get into some of the post game because it ties into what you're asking. Um, mm-hmm. Luis Enrique is, is basic when he's asked about this. He says, "Look, we got used to playing without Mbappe. We, we, and he's always looking for the best option for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what he's saying. Now we know how it works at PSG. Have they really <laughs> right. turned a corner and given all of this power to the manager, or is Nasser calling the shots, or even above him? Is someone? I ultimately, I do think it's probably Luis Enrique because he is, he is playing. He's just being taken out at these odd moments that he's never been taken out before. Right. So I, I think it is Luis Enrique ultimately making the decision. But I mm. also think Nasser is probably like, do what you need to do. I think he has the backing of the ownership to do what yeah. he needs to do, and then ultimately, this is what he's deciding. Yeah, no, I, 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 I can, I can lean towards that as well, because um, Lucho seems to be very direct, and and it seems that PSG, different from uh, uh, from the other managers, they've really gotten behind uh, Enrique uh, in those decisions. But I just, I, I wonder if against Real Sociedad. Let's say today didn't happen. Mbappe didn't go to the to this to 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 the stands with his mom. In, in against Real Sociedad in, in 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 the week in the Champions League, was he going to sub him then? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's looking like it. I think he probably would if he's not getting it done. But what's interesting is there are other players in this first half who weren't playing well. Right. Gonzalo Ramos, they weren't taken off at halftime. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't, I don't know how you. And then so after the match, uh, Luis Enrique was like, "Like, did you see Mbappe go to the stands? Do you have any?" He's like, "I only focus on what's going on on the pitch. I don't pay attention to anything else." You can tell that he is media <laughs> trained so well. You can tell yeah. he's been uh, in Spain with you know Barcelona. He knows how media and journalists are. He is giving them exactly. nothing. But it, it's so foolish. It's like you've made yeah. other substitutions and you didn't realize Mbappe wasn't there. So. It's all smoke and mirrors. Luis Enrique is not going to give us the real answers, what he's really thinking. Yeah. Um, so I th- you can react to that here in a second. And then also there was a report that apparently Mbappe's entourage, they assured that there is no controversy and that mm. Mbappe is focused on PSG's next match and that it was actually Luis Enrique who suggested that he sit in the stands. What oh, do you wow. make of that? I mean, wh- what do you think happened? So in, at halftime, now that you know mm. the, the post-match comments, uh-huh. At halftime, Luis Enrique says, "Hey Mbappe, we're subbing you off for uh, Colomani." What happened? What, in your mind, what happened? Well, I mean, I, I honestly don't know. The only thing I can think is that Luis Enrique is genuinely being the tactician that he is, wants to see how these guys play without Mbappe because this is going to be their new reality after these next four months, and and so. Maybe it's something that they've spoken about before, but that reaction doesn't add up with that. You know, with with, with it doesn't add up with the fact that they they might have spoken before the match and and had an agreement that hey we'll be subbing you out at this time because why would you then like just go to the stands and and sort of just piss off and and pretty much say you you don't care because that that's what that that was. It's all right, y'all not gonna play me. All right, I'll go sit in the stands and so. I, with those with those comments and the post game and obviously I think Lucho is being very you know he's being very diplomatic about it but um, I I don't I don't know what to make of it any more than whatever the reports can be and and, and we'll, we'll find out later what's true or not but I think one thing that is important here is the underlying theme for all of this is PSG getting out of this this old way of running a, a club uh, and, and QSI specifically and, and, and their, and their mentality and how they want to empower the players and, and give them tons of money and, and pretty much give them freedom to do whatever they want. This is that, that disease that you let run rampant in that club 
these are the residual effects. You, you know, you can, if someone has been smoking cigarettes for all their lives, they can quit, but it's not going to happen in a month or, or, or a few months. There's still going to be residual effects even after they give it up. And we know Mbappe is leaving and we're still feeling <laughs> we're, we're still we're still being affected by by something um, with his presence here. And, and it, it's it's very unfortunate. You can you can you can speak to any PSG fan. We don't even care about anything else but just for the club to run normally like just we just want normality for even one one season or half a season would be great and we we're not going to get that uh, until until Mbappe leaves yeah I wrote a piece for about this over on our Substack about you know Unai Emery was asked about PSG after he had uh, left the club and he's like never really knew who was in charge and yeah you know he was there when Mbappe and Neymar were signed and he's like Neymar calls the shots like Neymar runs the club and that's how it's been throughout this whole QSI era is the the players are are running the show yeah they make the decisions what I think happened at halftime I think Luis Enrique has been empowered to see what this squad is like without Mbappe and make the decisions he sees fit I think you can justify the decision whether it's hey I'm looking ahead to the Champions League game and I want him well rested or he wasn't playing well like from a sporting perspective, it makes complete sense to sub him off. Okay. Absolutely. What I think, we know that Mbappe does not like to be subbed off. He has never subbed off for any reason. He played against an amateur side um, in January. We saw him get mad at Tuchel for taking him off when PSG were up 5-0. I think, and we also know just from the Real Sociedad uh, game, I think that Marquinhos had said that Luis Enrique was pretty fired up at halftime and sort of lit a fire under the team to come out to a better second half performance. So I I, I don't think it's beyond um, the possibility that Luis Enrique was fired up. He didn't like the way this team was playing against Monaco. They were sloppy, giving the ball away. He probably didn't like the way Mbappe was playing. And he said, hey, I'm subbing you off. Call them one and you're in. Maybe Mbappe gave him a look. Maybe he rolled his eyes. Maybe he gave him an FU. I don't know. He, he may, I think that there was some sort of dissent. Yeah. And Luis Enrique said, I don't want to see you on my bench. You go, I don't care where you go, but I don't, you know, we'll deal with this later. Yeah. And I think Mbappe said, fine. He got dressed, called his mom in the tunnel, and went up to the stands. I think, yeah. I think that something around that is likely what happened. Am I way off on that? No, I don't think so because in in in, in Luis Enrique's post game match, you can tell he was keeping something like he wasn't revealing everything. He was being very diplomatic, and that's what managers tend to do when there is friction behind the scenes that we're not privy of, and they you know they tend to be diplomatic. And then we later find out that you know, for instance, Pierre uh, Emerick Aubameyang had a problem with Arteta the whole time, and and the reason he you know, he sent them away was we, we found out in the documentary. So you're, you're not, you're not off at all. And, and I think that's, that that's the only thing that really justifies that reaction from Mbappe, where he felt like Lucho told him off essentially. He's like, Hey, we, if you don't, you know, if you don't like my decision, don't be here. You can, you can kick rocks essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, it sounds harsh, but this is the business that we're, that, that, that these guys are in. And, and Luis Enrique is really the only one from the club who has effectively confirmed everything that we kind of already know is that Mbappe's leaving. He keeps saying, we need to prepare for life without him. Yes. But there's been no official communication from the club or Mbappe that he is leaving. But here you have Luis Enrique. We have to prepare. <laughs> like, this is the second time he, he said that. That's so, interesting. Yeah, yeah it is. That's the only thing. And so I think I think it's it's bothering him. I think he probably came to PSG thinking, oh, I'm gonna get to, to manage Mbappe for a while. And really he gets yeah. just the season. So there's something going on here. My my next question for you, should PSG, should they play Mbappe against Real Sociedad? Because the reason reason I asked is Ben Jacobs, uh, a journalist, um, he, he's pretty well connected and he said the sources that he had that PSG were the sources at PSG were were sort of stunned at Mbappe's decision to go into the stands. Like they they were sort of confused and caught off guard, and they don't know what to make of it. So, if that's the case, should there be some sort of punishment? And would you say, hey, bench him for that match against Real Sociedad? Would you do that? Yeah, if 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 it was if it is confirmed that there was um, 
some friction or, or a disagreement or some words were, were said or some things were said um, on the on the sideline with with Enrique and Mbappe, then yes, that's that his reaction is not acceptable from a club level, from any 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 professional setting. That's not acceptable. So with if that is the case, then yeah, you you whatever disciplinary action uh, that they have that they would take there, you know, that's up for uh, for them to make that decision. But if it's not that, and if 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 they're just all gonna play it off like it's it's no big thing, then yeah, play him. Like we 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 need him essentially to to if we if we want to make a dent into the Champions League, we'll we'll need him. But if if it is if it is confirmed, well, if we find out that he does get suspended or anything, then we'll know that for sure something something really transpired there um but yeah i i think i think it, it for me i believe he'll play it's trending towards him playing um lucho's comments obviously they are diplomatic but he's he's still saying like hey i'm just trying to get my team used to playing without this guy but he's still you know um on our team and and, and so i can still see him playing uh against sociedad now if he gets substituted <laughs> In that match, <laughs> yeah, in the 65th minute, then we'll know that things are are not well for sure. Like it, that 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 will be the, the the confirmation that we all need because it's it's happening in in league matches where you know the 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 end results didn't weren't really detrimental to us. Uh, but if 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 it happens in the Champions League, that'll be a different story. And of course, this match against Real Sociedad is at their building, and yeah. you'll have. The Spanish press is going to be there, and you know what they're going to want to know about. They they're going to latch onto this. Oh, they're drama they're, they're right loving now. this. They're loving this right now. <laughs> they're eating this up. I already know. It. I already know it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So it's going to be a lot of drama. I. It's a delicate dance, right? Because everything we heard about what's going to happen with Mbappe going to Real Madrid, that it's not really done with PSG in terms of negotiating those exit terms. There's the loyalty bonuses and whatever else is in his contract that maybe he would forego that so that he could, you know, give PSG some more money, or maybe he would give whatever the signing bonus is from Real Madrid. He would give it to PSG. There's like, there's some niceties on Mbappe's side. At least that's what's being reported. So like, Mm -hmm. PSG may not want to jeopardize that, but also at the same time, right. if you're going in all in on this, like preparing for life after Mbappe, if you're going all in on no one's bigger than the team, from what I saw tonight, there is absolutely no excuse for it. And if you are having that mentality and that's the way you want to move, you have to, you can't play him. You have to suspend him for at least the game. Sort of like when you know Messi went to Saudi Arabia and skipped uh, uh, what was it training. And didn't tell anyone. You know, they they suspended him. You know, they've suspended Rabio for going to a nightclub, you know, after a loss. And so they've done it before. You know, they benched Mbappe at the beginning of the season. They're they're not against benching people and punishing them. So I think yeah. there's probably some really difficult conversations going on right now. And we'll have to just keep an ear on social media and see what we find out there. Um, any final thoughts on the Mbappe situation before we move into uh, next week's match? We we just ready for it to be over, Ed. That's all. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm really I'm really done with this story. Uh, from a journalistic standpoint, mm-hmm. like there's what else can you write about? Like from like what else can you talk about? Then especially from a PSG pers- uh, perspective, a PSG fan, we're oh. tired. We're tired. We're ready to to actually flip the page into the new PSG, building. The, the team through the youth and and yes. and bringing players who actually care about the badge who who actually want to want to fight for the for this club so yeah I I'm just ready for it to be over honestly. I'm ready for Mbappe to go yeah give me Javi Simmons I need yes. him like yesterday yes can we please get that man here all yeah. right let's leave that one there and just uh, let's get into Real Sociedad speaking of that match because. Give me your thoughts on what you think is going to happen. PSG, they go in with a two-goal lead. Um, it's going to be – Real Sociedad are not in a great run of form right now. They've got injuries, but we know what can happen when PSG go to Spain with a lead in the Champions League. So is what would – what if you were Luis Enrique, what are your tactics? What's the mentality you want the team to have? What do you think? 
Yeah, I think you have to you have to go there looking to kill them off because they are they are a scrappy team. Um, the the first leg I was ex- fully expecting that to be a KG match, in which it was until that first goal sort of opened things up for PSG and and Sociedad were trying to to recover and they left themselves exposed uh, for the for the killer shot essentially um, by Barcola. Um, but I, I fully expect – well, I think what what, what uh, Enrique should do is set the team up very offensive-minded in terms of we're, we're, we're going to try to keep possession of the ball, which is something that we tend not to do when we go away, whether it be to, to Spain or to, 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 to England or, 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 you know, when we're, when we're traveling in, in these big uh, Champions League matches. Um, but I think that, yeah, you have to kill them off because these – these these dudes they're they're scrappy they they the don't let their form or the where they sit in, in the La Liga table um you know you don't you don't want to use that uh, and and get a, and get ahead of yourself and think it's going to be a cakewalk you have to go and kill them off um you know we don't know who we're going to get in the next round uh, but I think tactically I would try to put out my my strongest uh, my strongest eleven um especially given everything that's going on with the club with the noise with Mbappe you really want to you know, this is an opportunity to to really solidify. Like, hey, we're, you know, we're we're, we're moving forward, and, and and we're taking these things serious, and we want to solidify ourselves in, within this tournament. So, I, I think tactically, uh, ideally, I would love to kill them off because if you if you try to sit back and absorb pressure, you know, anything can happen. And we've been in these scenarios before. We have demons that uh, are hunting us till this day, uh, going into a second leg with the league. Going to uh, to Spain, uh, anything can happen. Um, so yeah, I think it, I, I would go there with the mentality to try to to, to 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 kill them off early. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I, and I think that I mean, are we positive that PSG's best team right now, the way they play, is is a team without um, Mbappe? Because I think a front three of Dembele, Ramos, and Barcola mm-hmm. is very dangerous. With yeah. you know Fabian Ruiz behind them and Zaire Emery and Vitinha, you've got some playmakers there. I think from what we saw in the second half against Monaco, mm-hmm. and then you know looking back at PSG's previous match, I thought that um, that PSG pl- have seemed to play more as a team. Yeah. Um, when Mbappe isn't there, someone had had mentioned. I'm not sure. Maybe it was Mark Damon or someone had said something about you know. Mbappe is sort of like a vacuum. He just sucks the every pass and every all of the tension is on him. And when he's not in the game, you start to see the pitch open up. You start to see the passing, and you, you see more skill from some of PSG's. I guess maybe you would say more role players. Yeah. And so I wonder you, if you go to Real Sociedad and you're going to want to maybe keep possession and kind of run the clock out and frustrate them a little bit, hit them on the counter. You know, do you, or do you, and then maybe do you do you go with Ramos, who's more of a, a goal poacher? Maybe you don't even need Mbappe in this one, and and you, you use him as a super sub. You know, maybe that, and, and it sounds crazy to say PSG's best side might not be with Mbappe, but from what we've seen the last two matches, it might be. Yeah, no, it's it's not it's not far fetched at all because, and I, I wrote I wrote about this in the piece uh, I wrote about Barcola, which uh, I believe will be out soon. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, working and- on that one. <laughs> And, um, and yeah, and, and I think PSG have been really obviously very reliant on, on, on Mbappe offensively. And we allude to Colomani not scoring all the goals that we expect him to. Gonzalo Ramos not scoring all the goals we expect him to. It's because these guys, when they do score or they do assist, it's just them picking up the crumbs that Mbappe left off because he's so dominant um, when he has the ball. The midfielders are so reliant on him to 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 start attacks, to try to feed him the ball. And so when he's not there, this is the same thing that we had with Neymar and Messi. Like when those guys are not there, there's more, there's more cohesion. There's more a sense of let's rely on each other. Uh, rather than relying on this one individual who, if he doesn't have a good game, then yeah. like we're all toast. And so, <laughs> and so, and, 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 I mean, that's a formidable front three, whether it's Ramos or Colomani with Barcola and Dembele on either side of them. That's, that's, that's a very, you know, I'm not going to say it's top in Europe, but that's a very solid front three that you can go into any game expecting uh, chances created at, at the very least. And obviously, you know, you have, 
people who are capable of scoring the goals. And so, um, you know, it, it depends. It, it totally depends on if there are going to be disciplinary actions taken on Mbappe for what transpired today. Uh, but if he's available, honestly, I would play him. Uh, but if he's not available, we'll get to see those guys play without him. And Lucho can really have tape to see how these guys play in a big match without Mbappe. And let me, uh, from Ethan from PSG Fan Club Boise, he had this tweet of uh, February 25th. He said, Gonzalo Ramos now has eight, goal, eight goals on just 1,144 minutes played this season, which is a .63 goals per 90. That scoring rate is second on the team, only behind Mbappe. So when Ramos gets a chance to uh, play, he is scoring. And to kind of go against my own point that I just made, you know, mm-hmm. if you put I just feel like Real Madrid, they, they're loving this drama. They would love nothing oh, yeah. more than for <laughs> PSG to bench him and sit yeah. him because he's going to have a busy summer. We don't know about the Olympics, but you have the Euros. So they would love for Mbappe to not play as much. They get a fresher player. You know, we all know injuries can happen at any moment. So, yeah. you know, I wonder if there's something to that where PSG may not want to to bench, you know, Mbappe who probably – gives them a really solid chance of advancing and we all know how important that is. So it, again, in the contract stuff. So it's, man, it's a delicate situation. I'm not sure. I'm glad I don't have to make the decision, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but PSG should be able to see this match out. I like what you're saying. Go in there. If you get at least one goal, because I'm just looking at Real Sociedad's last fixtures, um, they lost to Mallorca in the Copa del Rey on um, penalties. Yeah, they lost on penalties. Yeah, yeah, 1-1. And then they lost to uh, at home to Villarreal, 3-1. So, and then they play Sevilla tomorrow uh, early morning, my time. So, well, I'll keep an eye on that, how they perform against Sevilla. But they're not scoring a ton of goals. They didn't score against us. They really didn't have any shots on goal. So, I feel like if we just go and get one goal, This we're through. It shouldn't be an issue. The problem is if they do score early we all know what can happen so man it's going to be difficult but i, I think luis enrique is going to get done give me a score prediction what do you think what's the final score on this one i can i can see this being easily one nil one mm. nil i can see a one nil match because like i said they're they're they, they don't uh real sociedad are not a scoring team if you look at their the way they're playing they don't score a bunch of goals but they are and and this is this might sound crazy if you go look up their numbers right now they're giving up goals generally they're very solid defensively but they have a lot of injuries they have a lot Mm -hmm. of uh good players missing uh but them being home having the fans behind them i can see them at least trying to 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 have a respectable result where they 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 won't let it get out of hand um and it could be a kg match where psg nick a goal and and like you said just one goal is enough for us to to comfortably uh, get through yeah, I read that stat earlier. This is the first time in several, 25 matches or something where PSG didn't score at least one. So I yeah. think there's no way they're going to not score two games in a row. row. So yeah. give PSG at least a goal. Being at home, fighting, they're a scrappy team. They've got some some good players who can score. We know PSG's defense can be opened up at times. I'll give them a goal. So I'll go 1-1 in this one. PSG will advance 3-1 on aggregate. Go to the next round where they will inevitably draw Real Madrid and then let <laughs> chaos ensue. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about the draw. Hopefully we get through. <laughs> so that game, March 5th, it'll be exciting. Uh, make sure you tune into that one. All right, John, uh, we're coming up on time, but I've got one more story I wanted to ask you about. This one came up after the um, after the final whistle, and it's interesting. So there's a report out of Denmark, and this was from World Soccer Talk, I think is where I saw it. There's a report out of Denmark that claims that transfer guru Fabrizio Romano, that he accepted payment to post a rumor about an FC Copenhagen player. Um, And and basically what Fabrizio had said is that um, the player had no intentions of signing a new contract and that several top clubs were interested in signing him. And all this boils down to essentially clubs and players are, are paying Fabrizio Romano for the publicity that comes from being on his social media accounts. Um, and this is all alleged. It's not proven. I think the the magazine that is breaking the story, they're trying to get an interview with Fabrizio and, and nothing more other than what I'm reporting here. And this is all alleged. 
So we, but we do know that Fabrizio tweets a lot about PSG and their transfer dealings and what players are doing and not doing. He was the one that broke the Mbappe news. And I remember at the time I was thinking, well, how did, how did he get this? Who broke this? Is Was it Real Madrid? Or who, who gave it to him? Was it Real Madrid or Mbappe or PSG? So what is your take on this? You basically have a, a journalist, if this comes out to be true, you have someone who's got tens of millions of followers on several platforms and it's kind of like a pay-to-play operation. Um, and he's having an impact on the transfer market, if it's true. So what do you think about it? Well, I mean, it's well, obviously there's a conflict of interest. There's there's many red flags there for me. Um, in terms of football journalism, I think um, the underlying because that's this is where this this story lives in within the journalism because essentially that's what Fabrizio technically does. Um, there's there's no rules. <laughs> this is what I've gathered from following football news. Um, within the last five or six years, there's just no more rules. Um, no one to be held accountable for falsify story for stories that they, they dragged on or just literally just made up and there's no accountability from a journalistic standpoint. And so when there's no rules, things like these, like, like, like this, it's, it's inevitably going to inevitably going to come up. Um, obviously Fabrizio, Fabrizio has a lot of power, within his job. And this is the thing that happens when you're the one guy, obviously there's a lot of trusted and, and uh, journalists out there who break news, but for football, Fabrizio is that guy. And when you're that one guy, um, obviously there's people trying to pay you under the table to get information out. And, and I don't know if you remember uh, Shams uh, who covers the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had a deal with, I believe it was FanDuel or DraftKings or one of those gambling websites and he tweeted out a draft in the NBA draft before it happened. And it's like, so you're, you're pretty much, you know, you're, 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 you're tilting odds and, and people who bet and things of that nature. And so it, it becomes a little, a little sketchy there. And so I, I don't, um, I, I don't, I don't like it obviously. And I think it's, um, it's, there's a malpractice to it journalistically as a journalist. It's something that doesn't sit right with me. If people are having to, 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 you know, to, to pay, to get stories out, to, to, to pay to, you know, to, to get their information out or propaganda or whatever they may be. And then as, as, as a journalist for Fabrizio's standpoint, if this is true, you know, there's, there's a lack of integrity. There's a lack of, lack of integrity there. And for me, again, it underlines the, the lack of, uh, of rules essentially as it pertains to football journalism, because everyone is pretty much doing whatever they want. And this is uh, pretty much a child of that. Well said. I don't think I disagree with any of that. And I just want to read, I want to give World Soccer Talk uh, the credit here. They, they tweeted out, they said, Fabrizio Romano has been accused of spreading rumors about players on social media in return for money. Danish media also alleged clubs would pay Romano thousands of dollars for mentions on Romano's social media accounts. I, 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 mean, I, I, I completely agree with everything. I mean, the state of football journalism, and we kind of joked earlier about, you know, the media in Spain and um, how they can be, but man, it, it is brutal. I mean, could you imagine Woj or um, Adam Schefter here in the U.S. who are the guys you go to for NFL and NBA breaking news? If it came out that they were accepting money from the Lakers or wherever and, you know, put this out there, this report, um, I mean, they, they would probably be fired. Yeah, they would be out of a job. ESPN. <laughs> They'd be yeah, out of they would be out of a job, yeah. It's so unnecessary. I mean, there's so many ways to make money on social media. I mean, if Fabrizio had a little tip jar on his, on his Twitter, I'm sure people would donate. Maybe he does. I haven't yeah. looked. Or if he has, you know, <laughs> subscribe. And if you want the information that I have, you know, you need to subscribe. Do do more of that. I, if he's accepting money from these clubs and stuff, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. I don't even think this is the worst part of what football journalism uh, does. And he, he's just, it's just, it's just so different than what I think you and I are used to here in the U S um, we, we would expect them to be fired, but I just think that this is no big deal. It's a nothing well, burger because it's just so rampant. Well, the, this, this is the thing, like, this is the question. Like if, if there was to be like a governing body or someone to discipline this thing, if it's allegedly, you know, if, if if it's confirmed to be true, who would be that person? Who would be that body? Would it be FIFA? Yeah. Would it be UEFA? Who knows? Nobody knows because all these things are just kind of made up. And he's independent, you know? so it's not like he right. works for the Guardian or ESPN, and someone could fire him for doing. It. He's exactly. independent. He can do whatever yeah. he wants. I think if we, as football fans, want this to change, 
Don't yeah. follow them. Don't retweet yeah. them. Don't engage. You stop exactly. doing that, then they're in trouble. Exactly. Take away their their megaphone. But I don't yeah. see that happening anytime soon because they, <laughs> no. they have so much power. They've built up this large following. I you know, it's just it's crazy. So what what's insane is if you look on most of Fabricio's tweets, under the tweets, nobody's actually even responding to the thing that he's tweeting. They're just putting <laughs> Messi or Ronaldo or Pessi or Panado. And it's just like a cesspool of a bunch of BS and I miss the days where we just find out when something yeah. happened, when it actually happened. And like I'm okay with that. I don't need to know three months ahead that Mbappe is going to Madrid and, and these things like, you know, this is the climate that we're in now. We've kind of adapted to it, but like, I'm very cool on like just finding out when it happens. Like that's okay too. Well, I will say yeah. that this has one been one damn good podcast. I hope Absolutely. everyone out there has enjoyed it. Cause we had a great conversation about several big topics. We uh, recap PSG's scoreless draw against Monaco. We talked about Mbappe and uh, looked ahead to Real Sociedad. So a lot of good info. I hope you all enjoyed it. John, let's get you out of here. Enjoy your weekend. We got a big game next week. Thanks so much for coming on. We'll chat soon. Any final words for you before we let you go? Uh, no. Just follow me on Twitter at John Olangi, J-O-N-O-L-A-N-G-I. Um, and, yeah, just uh, stay tuned for, for more work. Again, yes. appreciate you, uh, Ed, uh, for letting me come on today. Hey, thank you for staying up late. I, I know it's late over there on the East Coast. And yes, we've sir. got a great piece from John on uh, Bradley Barclow, which I'm editing. We'll hopefully get it up this weekend. So head over to PSG Talk Substack. It's free. Go ahead and subscribe. You'll get that right in your inbox. You can read that piece from him. Um, and thank you again for listening to this episode. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe. Leave us a review if you can. We would love that. And uh, yeah, bye for now. <laughs>